Morning, family, if you don't mind, let me pray with us and then let's get started. Today, I want to talk not about shelter in place, but on today, I want to talk to you for just for a moment about shelter in faith. How do we do that? How do we shelter in faith? Heavenly Father, will you lead us now as we go into your word? Thank you for giving us a fresh word for this season. Will you, will you lift the, the words off of your holy book and will you write it on every single heart that's listening to us today? We pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said... Amen and amen. I don't know about you, but uh, have you ever been to like the hair salon, ladies? And you walk in the hair salon and, and you come out of the hair salon the same way, meaning you go up, you go in and the hair ain't done and you come out and it still ain't done. Hey, fellas, have you ever gone in uh, and your, your, your edges ain't tight and stuff ain't right and you walk in one way and, and something happened, but you walk out and you either look worse or you walk out and, and the edges still ain't tight? Have you, has that ever happened to you? Well, uh, that, that is my concern about you and I in this season. My concern is that I am begging God that ah, the way you cannot, you cannot come out of this the way you went into it. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I am begging God that none of us, not one, not you, mom, not you, dad, not you, kiddos, not you, students, not you, college students, not you, young adults, not you, single parent. I pray that none of us will come out of this situation, come out of this season where we're shut in place. I'm praying that none of us will come out of it the way we went in because it concerns me. It does. It really does concern me that there are too many people that are not learning the lessons that God wants us to learn in the midst of this particular storm. You see, so there's some of us that, that this is how we look now, and we're going to come out, we're going to come out of it, walk through the situation, see that, and we're going to come out of it just like we went into this season. And that would be a tragedy. Here's why. Because you know God, if, if, if you don't learn the lessons in one season, then I promise you there is a retake coming in another season. So what I want to do today is give us, is give us uh, some targets that we should go after, five of them, targets that we should go after to make sure that we're going to come out differently than we entered into this season of the coronavirus. Uh, there's no better book that we could uh, zoom in on but the book of James. He's the brother of, half-brother of Jesus. He's the one that they call camel knees because he's always praying. He's always trusting God. He's always trusting Jesus. And so because of that, I want to zoom in in a moment, and I want to talk to you from this particular book. I want to look at all five chapters because he uses one word in there, teleos, which is the word from which we get the word mature. Uh, teleos is, is, is a man, and it's coming from a boy. So the boy, the child, is immature, and when you become mature, now you're the man. Or, or the, the oak tree is, is, is the teleos. It's mature. The acorn is the immature. I'm hoping that you don't remain an acorn in this season, but I'm hoping that God will grow you up into the oak tree that you're supposed to be. Now, you ought to ask the question when you're in a season like this. You ought to ask a couple of questions. One of them you ought to ask is this. You ought to say, why would God allow 
something like this to happen? Uh, that's a question that I often wrestle with. Well, God, what are you up to, God? And, and whereas we don't know what he's up to, but if you look back at history, you will see that every time something like this happens, it's because God is trying to bring us closer to himself. He wants us to depend on him and on nothing else. I don't know all the answers to it, but I know when I look in the Old Testament, when I look in the New Testament, that God is always trying to topple whatever things we have placed our trust in so that we can trust in him because the ball game is all about faith. Is it not, family? Without faith, it's impossible for you to please God. So the ball game is always about faith. James is going to mention it in a moment that this, what he's trying to do is he's trying trying to test your faith, and he's trying to strengthen your faith all at the same time. And because of that, it's significant that you and I discern, God, what are you trying to do with me personally? What are you trying to do with our family? What are you trying to do with our kids in this particular season? By the way, have you noticed, you remember some time ago I told you that the NFL thought that they owned Sundays. Have you noticed what's happened have you noticed, I hope, I hope you're paying attention and you're not just being aloof. Have you noticed what's happened? Now, Sundays, again, belongs to God. Hey, pastor, what do you mean? Well, ain't no football for you to watch, is there? Ain't no movies for you to go to, is there? You can't, you can't go nowhere and go to no movie theater to watch none, is there? Because, because, because what God is saying is, I want, I want you to humble yourself so that you can see that I am God and we are not. I want you to notice that you used to take your kids every Sunday sometime to the ball game. You know, you know what you can't do any of that now? Here's why. Because God owns Sunday again. Why? Why is that significant? Because just maybe God is trying to tell you and me that he wants us to bring the focus back to our creator and to our Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, the tragedy would be that you go through this season and you come out the same way you went in. See, when you come into the season, you got to be careful because you have the, you have the opportunity to form some habits, some good ones. But if you're not careful, you'll form some bad ones too. So, so as you go through this season, you're developing some habits. And if you're not careful, those habits will be waiting on you when you get out of this situation. And it's either going to set your life up in an upward direction or in a downward trajectory. The question is, what kind of habits are you creating in this particular season. My God, my, okay, you're not feeling me. Ah, there's some of you that are creating some bad eating habits. Uh-huh. There's some of you that, that you're eating stuff you shouldn't be eating right now, and you, you shouldn't be eating as much bread as you, you want to eat. You leaving all the produce in the grocery store, and you going to the bread because that's going to fill you up. Be careful because whatever habits you start now, they're waiting on you on the other side when we get out of this. There's some of you in here today that you're yelling at your kids because you You've never had to uh, uh, teach them full-time and work at the same time. So when they get on your last nerve, you're like, I said shut up. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You talking to your, be careful, be careful, because here's what's going to happen. You're creating a habit. Your kids are going to get used to that. You come out of this situation, and all of a sudden, you're yelling at your kids in, in every single situation. Be careful, because you're developing some habits. There's some of you, my single friends, you listen to me, scoot up and listen to me. My single friends, you're developing some habits. Be careful, be careful. 
careful you're developing some habits. Whatever your guilty pleasure is, whatever that thing that you go to, whatever is your go-to, you can't socialize, you can't see nobody. You can, best you can do is get them on FaceTime. Best you can do is get them on a Zoom call and talk. But you ain't, you ain't around nobody. You ain't outside hanging out, touching nobody. And because of that, you got you to gotta be careful. You got to be careful because those guilty pleasures all of a sudden will all of a sudden now start taking root. And whereas you went into it where it was a struggle, today, because of your habits, it's no longer a struggle. You're now fully entrenched in it. Be careful of the habits you're developing. But then there's a positive side to this. You can develop some good habits too. Maybe you didn't used to eat dinner together because everybody was always working. So now you're establishing the rhythm of eating dinner together as a family. Perhaps that's not it. Perhaps you've never played games together. And all of a sudden now, every night is a game night from 8 o'clock to 8.30 before the kids go to bed. Everybody's playing games. Maybe you've never had devotionals together. And now every morning you get up and you have devotionals together. Those are good habits that you should be cultivating because you cannot come out of this season the way you went in. God will not have it because he's trying to teach us some stuff. And that is what I want to talk to you about today. He wants to teach you and I five things that he is, that he's expecting us to develop in. Five targets that we should be shooting for. Five, five, five habits that we need to be cultivating. So let's pick it up in James and let's see what James has to say to us today. Because ladies and gentlemen, this is a big deal. Come on, let's see what James has to say. James chapter 1. Let's go to the latter part of verse 1, and I want to show you why this is so relevant to us today. Listen to who he's talking to, to the 12 tribes who are dispersed or scattered abroad. So he's talking to the scattered church. It's the church that's scattered. They're not all together. They're not all gathering. They're scattered. So now he's talking to this scattered church in 2020 on a Sunday. He's talking to you and he's saying, hey, scattered church, I've got something for you to do and I've got something for you to know. Watch the text. He says this. He says, consider it all joy, my brethren. He's talking to Christians. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Next verse. It says this. It says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. The most important word in the entire passage is not joy, it's not consider, it's this word right here, knowing, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. He's suggesting that you're going to know something and that knowing will set you free. Next verse, verse number four says this, it says, and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be, here's a word, perfect and complete, uh, lacking in nothing. That's, that's the goal. He wants to exercise your faith muscles so that you become more mature as you go through the season. If you stay immature, that's where all the problems lie. But he wants you to develop those spiritual muscles and he wants you to develop faith so that by the time you get through this, you're a, you look so much more like Jesus, people will notice that there's a marked difference within, within your life. So here's what he says. Let's go back to verse number two now. Watch the text. This is a profound passage. He says, consider, that's a mathematical term. In other words, he's saying, I want you to, to, to mathematically run the formulas so that you know, no matter the storm you're going through, you, some of you are going through a financial storm right now. Some of you are going through a, 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 an emotional storm right now. Some of you extroverts are dying because you can't get to see nobody, touch nobody, tell your stories so that everybody can laugh and you can feel good. You are that. The introverts are like, oh, 
The Lord, is this heaven? The Lord has come back. Some of you introverts are loving this, but the extroverts are dying. To all extroverts, God bless you. May the peace of God be with you and over your life. Here's what he says. Consider it. It's a mathematical term. He says, consider it all. He uses the word joy, 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 joy. He says, I want you to have an internal stability no matter what's going on around you. He said, I want you to choose to have joy in the midst of the storm in the midst of this virus, I want you to make the, the mathematical calculation that you will choose to have joy. But he's not just saying that because, watch it, when you encounter, encounter means, encounter means they just pop up. They just show up. You didn't expect them. You had no warning. They just showed up in your life. He's saying, hey guys, if you're a Christian, it's not a matter of if, this will happen. Just like we're in one now. He's saying, no matter what, they're just going to jump out of nowhere at you and you were not expecting them. You did not have time to plan for them. Here you go. You're in the middle of the storm. That's happening to some of you. Some of you, uh, you didn't want this virus, but you've been infected by it. Some of you, you, you're in bed and you're sick and you be like, God, why? And you didn't, God said, hey man, this happened. It just jumps at you. But he's saying to you as well, he says, I want you to count it all, a mathematical term. When you encounter, then he uses this word right here, various trials. The word various is, is the word from which we get the word polka that, which means uh, it, it, some are big, some are small, some are tiny, some's a spot, some's a big one. It doesn't matter. He's saying they're going to come your way if you're a child of God. So he says, when you encounter these kind of various trials, I want you to calculate it and count it or joy. But why is he saying this? That's the question. Next word. He says, keyword, most important word, knowing. Say it with me two times, everybody. Say it out loud. Get engaged. Stop drinking the coffee. Come here. Say it with me. Knowing that the testing of your, here's the word, faith produces endurance. Knowing. Let's talk about that word for a moment. The word knowing is not intellectual knowledge. It's experiential knowledge. You don't know this from studying a book. You don't know this from uh, reading or watching a YouTube video on this. That's not, <clears throat> no, you must have experienced this. In other words, there's a difference between me trying to teach my son how to ride a bike or my daughter how to ride a bike and going through the books and said, hey, here's what they say uh, about knowing how to ride a bike. That's one thing. That's, that's intellectual. That's not what he's talking about. <clears throat> he's talking about experiential. In other words, he's saying, when you teach him how to ride a bike, you're going to get on the bike. Okay, good. He's going to fall off. He's going to get some scrapes, get some bruises as he goes through the process. Here's what he's saying. Now you know that at the end of this deal, it is for God's glory and your benefit. Because when you look in the Old Testament, you've seen trials show up and you've seen God working it all out for his glory. You might never know how it's for your benefit in this life, but in the life to come, you will experience and know why it was for his glory and your benefit. What he's saying is you got to know this experientially. You've seen it with all the great heroes of faith. Every last one, you've seen it. And he's saying, every single time, it works out for my glory and your good. Every time, say it with me, he works out for his glory and our good. 
every time. That's why you can count it all joy. Because you know, even though it don't feel good today, for some way, God's going to work this out for his glory. Some of you are still not feeling me. He continues. He says, because I'm doing it to test your faith, and I'm doing it to produce endurance. I want you to be the kind of Christian that can handle whatever comes your way. And he's talking about his brother, Jesus. He's talking about he's seen it. He's seen him go to the cross. He's seen him die on the cross for the, for the sake of God's glory and our benefit. This is the brother saying to you, I've seen it. I've seen him do it. I've seen what he's produced. And in light of that, I want you to consider it all joy knowing something, that God is up to something. And if you can't feel it now, you can still calculate it and trust that he's going to work it out for his glory and for your good. The text continues, verse number four. He says, and let this endurance have its perfect results. He wants to grow you up. He wants you to look just like Jesus. He wants me to look just like Christ. In light of that, he is saying, I'm going to tend you through some processes as you go through this book of James, and I want you to make these aims your aims, these targets your target as we go through the process, because he wants to make you perfect. He wants to make you complete. He wants to make you lacking in nothing. He wants you to look just like Jesus. So then, let me give you all five, and then we'll talk about it. Number one, here's what he says. Take your notes out. If you have your notes, as we look through the book of James, you see that faith is. Verse chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, and chapter four. Go to the, go to the chart for me. Let me show you what faith is, he says. Faith, when it's, when it's stretched, faith, uh, when it's stretched, it does not break. When it's stretched. So you're going to be tempted. You're going to be tried. When it's stretched, it won't break. Number two, he says, uh, when it's pressed, it does not fail. You write it in your notes. Write it down real quick. When it's pressed, that's chapter two. This is chapter one. This is chapter two. When it's pressed, relationally, when relationships get tight and when things go bad, relationally, it does not fail. Love still loves. Chapter three and chapter four. Here's what it says. When it's expressed, that's the tongue. When it's expressed, it does not explode. There is no right that you have to explode when things don't go the way you want them to go. That's what he suggested. And then in chapter 5, this is 3 and 4, then chapter 5, when it's distressed, it does not panic. That's where most of us are, aren't we? We're distressed. We're frustrated. We can't believe this happened. And the natural tendency is for us to then panic. And God says, I'm trying to lead you to maturity, and if I'm going to do so, then when you're stressed, press, express, and distress, the, the option that you have is not to panic, but it's to count it. It's to consider it. It's a mathematical term. Make the calculation that even though you don't feel it, even though you can't see it, even though you can't smell it, even though you have the, 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 the tunnel is dark, you know that at the end, if I just keep on moving, there's going to be light at the end of that tunnel and God will be glorified and it will be, not maybe, it will be for your benefit and for all our benefits. In light of that, let's give you these five as we see if we can walk through and have some targets and some tests for us to take as we go on this journey. Number one, he says, number one, I want you to grade yourself after each one of these, by the way. Number one, he says, I want you to be consistent. I want you to have consistency in chaos. I want you to have consistency in chaos. What's the consistency? He wants you, the verse we just read, to count it all joy. 
every single time. There's supposed to be an internal stability no matter what's happening on the outside. He says, I love you so much, I want you to count it all joy knowing something that I'm going to work it out for your good, if you, even if you don't feel it that way. So he says, you're going to, be, you're going to experience the purification of your faith. I still want you to rejoice. Why? Because I'm, because I'm living in the present and looking forward to the benefit of this trial. He says, I want to fortify your patience. I want to sanctify your, your character. Joy is the internal well-being, the stability on the inside. He's saying, that's what I want you to experience. Here we go. This might help you. He says, um, when you have an umbrella, ladies and gentlemen, the, the goal of the umbrella is not to take away the storms. The goal of the umbrella is not, to, is not to change the clouds, remove them so the sun can shine through. That's not the goal of the umbrella. The goal of the umbrella is so that when the storm is raging, it can protect you in the midst of the storm. That's the goal of the umbrella. The goal of the umbrella is when it's raining and everybody else is getting drenched, you are protected because you're under the protection of the umbrella. That's the point of the umbrella. You know what God says to you and to me? He says, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I could, but I'm not going to just remove the storm. I'm not going to just remove the clouds. I'm not going to just hold up the rain. What I am going to do is simply be your protection in the midst of the storm. He says, if you just trust me and believe that this will work out for my glory first and then for your benefit secondly, then he says, I will protect you. So when it's raining on everybody else, it will not rain on you because your God is protecting you in the midst of the storm. I wish I had a weakness up in here, up in here. That's what your God says. I am maturing you and the question is, are you passing that test? The question is, are you seen your God as the one who protects you in the middle of the storm? Or are you complaining? Or are you fussing? Or are you cussing because things are not working out the way you want them to work out? God is saying, I am up to something great, but you need to, me, all of us as a family, we need to trust him in the midst of this storm. Ah, Bah, but, but some of you are still not feeling me, so let me help you out. He says, he says, here's what it's like. He says it's like a piggy bank. Y'all know piggy banks, don't you? Uh, I gave, I brought, I, I, I got a couple of these for my, for my kids to save. I think these are too small. They need to get much bigger ones, by the way. But anyways, and, and the reason you have a piggy bank is because you want to save some stuff. You, you're developing some stuff. You, 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 you want to save for a rainy day. That's why I have one. That's why you'd have one. You call it accounts. The kids call it a piggy bank. Anyways, so, so, but the owner of a piggy bank, whenever they want something out of it, they, they got to turn it upside down, and then they got to shake it to see if what they want will come out of it. So, and if nothing's coming out, you know what they'll keep doing? They'll keep shaking, of course, because they know that there's something valuable on the inside that they're trying to get outside. So what they will do, and what I will do, is I'll keep shaking because I don't want to break it, because back in the day, then your parents would know that you broke it. So, so I want to keep shaking until I get what I want out. Now, what happens when something comes out that I don't want? What happens when a penny comes out? You know what happens? I say, I didn't want a penny. 
Ain't nobody shaking this for no penny. I need some quarters. I need some dollar bills. I need some $10 and $20 bills. So if I don't get what I want immediately, then I'm going to keep shaking. And you know what God does with us sometimes? If you're going through this storm right now, if you're going through this season right now, and you're not learning the, this lesson to be consistent in chaos, then God's going to keep shaking because he wants to get the value out of you. What's his goal? So that you will become mature. The only way you're going to become mature is if God, God gets what he wants out of you. So if he wants you to not fuss and cuss, but to be consistently joyful in the midst of the storm, then he'll keep shaking and he'll keep shaking shaking and he'll keep shaking until the thing that's valuable in you that he's placed in you because you're a believer that he can get it out but sometimes even after he tries to get it out you and I are still are still see I just I just got a I got a penny and I got a dime ain't nobody want no penny and dime I need some dollar bills so I'm gonna keep shaking and keep shaking and keep shaking but watch this now but sometimes after all is said and done that still ain't enough because I'm not getting what I want out of you so every now and again because you're coming in but you're coming out the same way God has to say okay you sure you want to do this and you keep shaking but you are not giving him what he wants you're still in that stubborn habit you're still in that thing that he know you know he does not want you to do you're still fussing you're still mad at everybody else instead of dealing with the thing on the inside then God says every now and again he just has to he has to break you to get what he wants out of you now ladies and gentlemen don't let this be your breaking season because you can do it the right way on the front side you can learn from precepts you don't have to learn from pain so as you go through this, he wants you to learn something so that you come out differently than we went in. Make sure, ladies and gentlemen, I'm begging you, make sure, kiddos, I'm begging you, that you come out of it better, more mature than you went in. Number one says then, you ought to be consistent in chaos. Number two, come on, let's keep it going. Number two, after your consistency in chaos, then he says, a mature Christian cares gen generously for others, the Christian, the believer, not only are they consistent, not only are they joyful in chaos, but number two, when we go to chapter two, he's talking about favoritism. He's talking about uh, how you're supposed to love each other the way God's called you to love them. So chapter two, he says, as we shelter in place, as you get closer to your family, as tensions rise in the family, then they're going to be relational challenges. And he tells us how to deal with them. Come on, take a look at chapter 2, verse number 8, and you see it again. The same word. The idea of maturity means he wants you to love like he loves. So check it out, verse number 8. Here's what it says. If, however, you are fulfilling the royal law, if, however, you're fully enrolled out to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, then you are doing well. What does he want? In the crisis, in the storm, he wants, as you walk through it, he wants you to do well. What does doing well mean? That you will love, the text says, your neighbor as yourself. But some people don't know how to do that. So what does it mean to love your neighbor as yourself? How do you love yourself? Let's talk about that first. How do you love yourself? Let me show you how. You love yourself when you filter, when we filter our actions through our intentions. 
You ever do something? <laughs> you ever do something? And, and, and you say, but they knew my heart. I, that's not what I meant to do. I, mean, I know that's how it, it came across, but, but they knew my heart. My intentions was right. That's how you love yourself. Because every time you're interacting with somebody, you want them to assume your intentions are right so that even if the actions were inappropriate, you know they know your heart. That's how you love yourself. That's how you want people to treat you. Number two, how do you love yourself? You give grace according to our history. When you're loving yourself, you say, well, you know, God understands. This is my history. This is a problem I got. But he, and you give grace, listen to me, according to your own history. So now, why is it a problem when it's your turn to love the other person? When it's your turn to love your kids the way you're supposed to love it, to love your spouse the way you're supposed to love, to love the, your co-workers on the Zoom call the way you're supposed to love it. Why is it an issue? Here's why. We ought to do the same for them. We ought to be, number one, be aware of how they're wired. We ought to give grace like you're in their place. Let me say that again. You ought to give grace like you are in their place. You ought to give grace like you are in their place. And then number three, you ought to love them like you know their story. My God. You ought to love the person. You ought to love your spouse. You ought to love your coworkers like you know their story. You don't have to know it, but love them like you know it. You see, the, um, the golden rule says uh, you, ought to, you ought to do unto others as they have done unto you. But that's not the one we live by. We live by the platinum rule. It says do unto others as Christ has done unto you. So since Christ has shown you grace, since Christ loves you because he knows your story, then you ought to do that to your fellow brother and sister. You know what was tragic the other day? You remember on Friday we did this big party, right? Lots of people were watching. Lots of people got prizes and they were all excited. Do you know that there's a small contingency that was like, well, they don't deserve that prize. I deserve it. They don't deserve it. They don't need it as much as I need it. You ought to give me that prize. Do you see what they were doing? They weren't loving like they know the story. Now, there's another contingency, another one, that as the young lady won that car, as they won the $3,000, uh, uh, scholarships. Uh, they, there's some people that were crying. You know why they were crying? Because even though they didn't know their story, they just know that if they received it, how blessed they would feel. So they're walking in their shoes and they're tearing up because they are loving them and being grateful for them and being joyful for them because they know that that deser- undeserving individual just got a deserving gift. That's how we have to love in our families. That's how we have to love in our neighborhoods. That's how we have to love on those Zoom calls. That's how God's calling us to love. But you must make sure, as well as I, that not only are we consistent in chaos, we must make sure, ladies and gentlemen, with everything that's in us, that we are, we are caringly, we are generous for others, that we care generously for others. That's number two. Genesis, uh, James chapter 1 talks about, uh, in trials, James chapter 2 talks about favoritism. Now let's go to the third one. The third target that we're going after. Target number three says this. Not only should we do those two, but we ought to use words with wisdom. We ought to use our words with wisdom. That's number, number three. Let's talk about it a little bit. Here's what it says. Um, the text says, you ought to watch what you say. Loose lips sink ships. You know that saying. In other words, loose lips destroys life. When, you, when you're not careful what you say, 
you're slandering somebody else when the person's not even there to represent them. He says, not so, would you? I know you're at home now, and I know all you get to do is talk on the phone, and you have to talk, and you want to talk, and especially you extroverts, you just want to share stories. I know you do, but make sure you're not talking about somebody else. Don't come out of this the way you went into it. God's asking, he's demanding that we use our words with wisdom, that we make sure that we use our fingers as we're texting, as we're typing, as we're sending emails, as we're sending text messages, as we're on the phone, that we are using these words with wisdom. And he's begging us and he's pleading with us to make sure that we do. He uses six illustrations. He uses the bit and the rudder and the, the spark and the, and, and the snake. And he uses all of them to show us one big point. Be careful. What you say, some of you right now are saying, well, pastor, I'm just a frank person. I'm just going to tell it as it is. Don't come out of this season the way you went in. That doesn't justify it because God still says, let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth, but that which is profitable for the building up of the saints, which means you don't get to just say, well, that's my personality. I'm just hard like that, and they just need to know who I am. No, that's who you used to be before Christ. He now wants to mature you, to move you from immaturity to maturity, so you use your words wisely. Be very careful, ladies and gentlemen, in this season as we're sheltered in place, because if you're not careful, What will happen is that you will say things to your family and to your loved ones that you will regret later. Do not come out of this the way you went in. Now, I want to show you just a little template of how and when you should open your mouth as you use it for the benefit of others. So take a look at this. Let's talk about it. How to speak the truth in love. Number one, you have to work on your timing. Is this the right time? Number two, you have to work on your attitude. Do I have the right attitude? Have I dealt with me? Have I gone before God and dealt with my own heart? Number three, is the location, is this the right time? Is this the right location to have this conversation? And then number four, what's my motive? Because you can't know their motive. So what's my motive for saying this? Why, why, why do I want to do this? Is this out of love or is this to get something off my chest? Ladies and gentlemen, you don't get a pass in this area. You you must, as a Christian, as a mature believer, you must use your words wisely. Ladies, too many of us, way too many of us, listen, way too many of us in, the, in terms of our words, we come out of it saying we were a cusser and we come right out the same way. That's not what God wants this time. He wants you to be different. He wants, when it comes to the issue of your tongue, when it comes to the issue of your words and how you love to type, he wants you to come out differently than you went in. So he wants, ladies and gentlemen, that when you come out, I'm coming. He wants that you and I, we're going to get it in a minute. He wants that we will look completely differently when we come out. He wants you to be so mature that the stuff that you went in have been shredded. And now you're looking just like Jesus Christ. That's the goal. If you come out of this the same way, then it means you're inviting God to give you another test. Don't do it, family. We don't have the time for that. We got to pass this one so we can move on. Can I get a witness, somebody? Can I get a witness? Now, some of you, some of you right now, this is how faith works, by the way. Some of you right now, you're watching my boy Marvin, and you'll be like, why is he on there? When is it going to be time for him to stop? Can they stop? Ain't that how God is, y'all? 
you're, you're saying to God, give me what I want now. When is it? He's on there too long. He, this, this is not fair to him. And you're saying, God, give me what I want right now. I got one for you. It's coming in a minute. But be careful that you're not trying to hasten God to solve your problem and not trust God until he resolves it. Be careful, family, because you right now are like, why is he walking so long? That ain't right. What's he doing up there? So calm down. There's a plan. Don't miss the point of the sermon because you're worried about him. That's what we do. Don't miss the point of this whole virus when you're in shelter and in place when God's trying to teach you something because you want to get out too soon. Be careful. Be careful, fam. Be careful. Here we go. Hashtag go back to the couch. Hashtag go back to the couch. I can't stand you today. Go back to the couch. Here we go. Number four. We're almost done. Number four says, grade yourself. We ought to, prom- we ought to be promoting peace and taking out the trash. We ought to be promoting peace and taking out the trash. I want you to look at the words that James, the brother of Jesus, uses to describe. He says, uh, he says, he says um, some of us like to, like to just argue. Some of us like to gossip. Some of us like to be contentious. We enjoy, some people, just being the instigator of drama. He says, you ought to be a peaceable person. When you walk in the room, people need to know, when you go on this call, people need to know that, 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 that you're a peacemaker. You're not trying to create drama. And too many of us are known for that. So he says to us, um, you, you must be careful about judging other people. That's immature. When you're judging other people, that's immature. Why, pastor? Why is it so immature? But I can see what they do. Hold on. Because it's God's job, not yours. Because you don't know all the facts, even though you think you do. And because you can't know their motives. And because you can't, then you shouldn't judge them. You leave that up to God, and you create peace everywhere you go, not agitation. Look at uh, chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, and watch what he says. Why, why do we have all these conflicts? James pulls up. Here's what it says. What is the source of our quarrels and conflict among you? Is it is not the source of your pleasures that wage war in your members? Next verse. He says, you lust and you do not have. So you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain. So you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. Here's what he's saying. What's the source of our stresses? What's the source of our couple as a couple? What's the source of the stress there? What's the source of stress on your job? What's the source of stress with your kids? Here's what he says. He says because you have, you desire to want things, money and possessions that maybe it's not your time to have. You desire to feel things, pleasures, and you've made your pleasure your number one goal. You desire to be prominent. You desire to be popular. You desire to have the most likes, the most followers. Your pride sets in, and because you do, that's where the tension is. And it happens all the time in the Christian faith, over and over and over and over again. Um, for some of us... This issue of an onion. Some people like onions. I don't, but some people love onions. Let me tell you something about onions. Whenever you eat an onion, it lingers with you. You ever notice that? It lingers. It stays there. You know why? Because when you eat the onions, they go into your bloodstream. And after your bloodstream, it then, it then saturates your lungs after a while. And after it saturates your, 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 your lungs, then everything that comes out of your mouth is not coming from here, it's coming from your lungs. So now, it doesn't matter what you try to do in your mouth, because it's saturated your lungs, now everything you say is toxic. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what happens with church people sometimes. Because you're not saturated with the Word of God, 
then everything that comes out of your mouth is what's in the world because that's where you live. That's where you go. That's what you enjoy. All the music you listen to is that kind of music. And in light of that, in light of that, then here's what happens to you. Everything that comes out of your mouth now is negative. Everything that comes out of your mouth is cutting against somebody else. And so in light of that, listen, I'm just begging you, please, just know that saturate your heart with the word of God because whatever is in your heart, that's what ultimately comes out of your tongue and out of your mouth. So here we go. Let's go to the last one and then we're done. Number five. Number one, let's repeat them so far. Number one, you ought to have consistency in chaos. You ought to care generously for others. You ought to use words with wisdom. You ought to promote peace and take out the trash. And the last one is you ought to persevere with prayer. The word patience in chapter five is used four times. The word prayer is used seven times. Here's why. Because God wants us to have an attitude of dependency upon God. He wants us then to wait patiently and prayerfully. The question becomes, some of you have been waiting and you've been wondering, why is he still on there? And you can't, you, you, you can't wait for him to stop because it's distracting you. And I'm saying sometimes God's working something out. And you're so focused on when you're going to stop or get out that you're missing what he's saying to you right now. God says, I want you to be patient. I'm trying to make you look like me. I'm trying to develop you. I'm trying to mature you. And if I'm going to do so, then you've got to be patient. You know how this is, don't you? Here's what a farmer does. I used to do landscaping uh, in college, and I love to actually landscape. Uh, and so it, it, here's what most of us look like. When a farmer plants a seed, ladies and gentlemen, here's what he does. He plants the seed, and all the seeds are in there, and then he stirs it up, and he puts it in, and then he leaves it. Now, now, here's what you and I do. We planted a seed yesterday, and all of a sudden, we want to see a big old tree grow tomorrow. That's not how it goes. A good farmer knows you got to wait for the rainy season. You got to wait through the seasons for it to bear fruit. We have too many believers that as soon as you plant a seed, as soon as you do one thing right, as soon as you try to create a good habit today, you expect there to be benefit tomorrow. God says that's not how it works because James chapter 5, he says you ought to be patient. James chapter 5, he says you ought to be prayerful. Both of those are vitally important to the whole process. If not, he says, then you're going to simply not have developed the character quality of patience, which is what Christ-likeness looks like. Every farmer enjoys waiting because they're trusting God to do what they can't do. Some of you are saying today, Pastor, but how long do we have to wait? The kids, kids don't know how to wait. You ever notice that? Kids, they don't know how to wait. They want it now. And too many of us still have the same quality as adults. God's saying to us, it's time for you to trust me like the farmer has to trust me, I need you to trust me in the midst of this storm that we're experiencing right now. So then the question becomes, Pastor, why is, why is Marvin on here? Look at the incline. Look how high it is. Why, why is he still here? That's because he's doing a stress test. We're checking out his heart to see if it's good. Now you would say, but look, he, he looks good. He looks fit. But, but, but that has nothing to do with the condition of his heart. 
The question is, how is his heart? Is he ready for the next thing that God has for him? Is he ready for his next season? The only way you know he's ready for the next season is if his heart is ready for the next season. So we've asked the doctor to come and to give us an evaluation of this stress test to see how his heart, because everything on the outside, it looks good, but don't get it twisted. God does not look on the outside. He looks on the inside. So let's check it out. Hey, Doc, what you got for us? How's Marvin looking today? His heart has failed the test. It's failed the test. Why is it failed the test, Doc? Tell us a little bit about that. What's going on? So the objective of the stress test is to try to stress his heart on this monitor. Um, as he walks, it allows us to be able to monitor to see how his heart is working. And we can see some abnormalities in his heart on this monitor, which tells that there's decreased blood flow to his heart and decreased oxygen to some areas my, that my, are damaged. My, 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 my. So even though he looks good on the outside... The heart on the inside is not ready for the next season. Ladies and gentlemen, you might be praying and saying, God, give me what I want. The problem might be when God looks on the inside, he sees that you haven't passed these five tests yet. And since you haven't passed them, then he cannot give you what you want for the next season. Listen why. Because he might give you what you want and it might take you out because you're not ready for what God has in store for you. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm begging you today. I really really am. As we go through this season, as we come up on Easter, I'm begging you, make sure that the way we come out of this is not the way we went in. So today I want to ask you a question. It's simple. Are you willing to tee up all five of these and ask God the question, God, what do you want of me this week? Which one of these five do you want me to focus on, God? Do you want me to focus on the chapter one? That I need to make sure that I'm going to, that I'm going to be consistent in chaos. Do you want me to focus on chapter two, God? And you want me to care generously for others. Do you want me to focus on chapter three, God? And you want me to use my mouth with wisdom. God, do you want me to focus on chapter four? And you want me to then say, promote peace and take out the trash. Or God, which is the character quality you want me to work on. Is it number five where you want me to persevere with prayer? Your job is to ask God, which one of these? So that he doesn't have to keep shaking you. So that he doesn't have to break you but that you, based on his word, now walk in maturity. We might have been immature in some areas, but we can come out mature. That's my prayer for you as we go and sing this one worship song before we go back outside. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for the privilege of allowing us to go through this situation. God, will you now highlight the one that we must work on? Every last one of us, every student, every college student, every adult, every single adult, every single parent, every seasoned saint, every couple. Will you now, God, I beg you, will you now show us, highlight for us, lift off these pages, one of these five that we ought to grow in maturity and help us, God, now to do that and to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... Amen and amen. The praise team is going to come back up and they're going to sing for us right after which we're going to take it out to Jada. But one more thing, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, then today's the day for you to get to know him. And so I'm going to ask you, if you don't know him, just type in the, hey man, I want to get to know Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. If you're here today, listen, and you don't have a church room, you're just kind of watching a bunch of churches, then we want to invite you to join our church today. So if you want to just type in the, type in the little slot, hey man, I want to join this church today. I'll be there at two o'clock. If you're here today and you want to get baptized and you've wandered a little, 
then just say that in there. Just say, hey man, I've wondered and I need somebody to pray with me. Or just say, hey man, I haven't been baptized. I know Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior, but I've never been baptized. Will you show me, will you create the environment for me to get baptized? And we'll, it will be your honor to do that with you today. Or if you just have a prayer request, type it in there and we'll do that for as well. Come on, will you help me join everybody and pray and worship together as we sing that God is the one that will fight your battle. Let's worship together. Come on, everybody. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is how I fight my battle. 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 It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Come on. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Say it. may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is how I fight my be one in which we reverence and worship you in spirit and in truth. And may God, nobody, nobody under the sound of my voice, come out of this the same way we went into it. In these five areas, mature us, will you God? This week, next week, mature us in these areas. 
we're not blaming anybody else we're taking account for ourselves and we're taking this test for ourselves we don't want to be shaken anymore we simply want to respond to the truth that you've provided for us thanks for being a gracious god thanks for allowing us to err on the side of grace every single time we pray this in jesus name and everybody said amen and amen hey check out the post show 